afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Off Script. Hopefully, you really, really enjoyed the first episode. Uh, we're back here for episode two. I've got the East Coast Iniesta, Mr. Lewis Wright, with me again. How are you doing, Whitey? I am fantastic, especially given that nickname. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So uh, good to have you with us again. Would you like to introduce our second guest? Yeah, our second guest. Oh, on last week's podcast, we is, we said that we were going to have a double whammy. Unfortunately, we didn't get the the second person. He's uh, he's busy fitting a new kitchen, I believe, uh, is what I've been told. Um, yeah, so it is the former number one at Boston United, Mr. Aaron Butcher, a.k.a. the godfather to my kids. So um, we won't call him godfather too many times throughout <laughs> the episode. All right. Butch, how you doing, mate? Yeah, very well. Thanks, gents. Um, can't complain. You know, I think everyone's in the same boat at the minute, but but yeah, all's good this end. Thank you. Awesome stuff. So, you checked out off script last week. You was uh, you was buzzing to make an appearance. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got a bit of a running order for uh, the episode today. Um, obviously, it's going to cover quite a bit. Um, we might go into a bit more detail on some uh, certain subjects. Um, I've also got the stats on you again, uh, courtesy of shout out once again for Christian James at Boss United Stats legend. on Twitter. Yeah, the legend himself. Um, so let's let's get down to it um, and let's let's talk about life at the minute. Um, where you're at with a few things. Obviously, it's a nice snowy day here in Boston. I don't know about Peterborough. Um, yeah, just just give us a bit of a intro about where you're at at the minute, really. Yeah, so just like most people at the minute, finding it um, challenging, should we say? Um, luckily, I'm able to go in as a key worker, so I'm sure we'll cover it a bit later on in the podcast. But I'm a uh, unqualified teacher at a primary school in Peterborough, um, so I'm in full time, which is really helping. If I'm honest, getting me out of the house, um, trying to be as normal as can be um you know missing football uh, missing football but at the same time i'm doing a uni degree um on the side of my job so i've got my hands full at the minute and to some extent not playing football's given me that little bit more time to concentrate on on what uni work and stuff but but yeah always well so i can't really complain too much awesome stuff well that that's sort of the boring bit out of the way mate isn't it um, <laughs> all right let's get to the, let's get to the juicy stuff let's start right at the beginning um, where did it start for Aaron Butcher? I grassroots, uh, the pathway, um, you know, who sort of, who got you into football? Um, well, I started when I was about six, um, a local football club um, in Whittlesea, which is near Peterborough, um, called Coach Crusaders. They uh, were having tryouts for under sevens, I think it was. And at that time, they had enough players for outfield. So, um, one of the dads said, oh, Aaron, do you want to have a going goal? And it was raining and muddy. Uh, and I did a session with one of the uh, parents, one of the parents, and I loved it. You know, I got filthy. Dad hated it, but I loved it. And it sort of um, went from there. So stayed at Coates till I was about 11. Um, won, a, won pretty much everything from the Peterborough Junior, Peterborough Junior, I think it was Junior Youth and Alliance League, I think, back then. Um and then sort of we had one or two players, um, a good, good, good friend of mine, Luke, who went off to Cambridge United. He was in their academy from the age of seven, I think it was. And he went off and a lot of 
the team sort of separated. Um, and then from there went into a team called Crowland, which is just up the road from where I'm from, um, and stayed there till I was about 14. And then that's when um, Peterborough United started back up and sort of the pathway changed slightly. Awesome. I bet your mum wasn't very keen about you playing in goal, was she? No, hated it. <laughs> even, to this day, even to this day, she moans about getting mucky, but at the minute I'm playing on 4G, so, so the home games are, are, are all right. It's just um, getting the nice burns you get diving around. Yeah, black scuffs. Yeah. In these. Um, so, that, did you, um, whilst you were at Crowland in places, did you have trials anywhere? Um, yeah, I think at 13, I think I had a trial at Boston, I think. Um, it was at Boston High School around from the old ground, as it now. Um, yeah. Is it high school? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember that, again, it was absolutely chucking it down and it was wet and it was windy. Um, and I remember coming down the steps, playing a 90-minute game. And to be honest, I can't remember how I did. Obviously not well enough because it didn't go any further. Um, that was at under 13, I think. And then at 14, uh, I trials at Forest. Um was at the grassroots over at Grantham and then got put into the academy for about six weeks. Um, absolutely loved it. The setup there, I don't know if you've ever been, but was phenomenal. It was just nothing like I'd never seen before. Um, yeah. Playing in the dome. Um, we had uh, Chris Fairclough was there. He was my, I think he was uh, 16s manager at the time, but he was overlooking the trialists and, and whatnot. And Barry Richardson was a goalkeeper coach. And I remember it clearly. I, I loved it. It was brilliant. I did really well. Um, but at that age, I was I was a little bit overweight, and um, to put it frank, I can remember him calling me and my dad in the office, and he was like, "Look, um, I think it was just an, an excuse back then, but he was like, look, you need to lose a bit of weight.'" Um, and that was how it was, to be honest. I didn't get I didn't go any further. Then I went back to the 14s at Croyland, and then that's when Pete United started back up. So I went for trials with Posh, um, got accepted into the under 15s for the following season and was there for two years. Awesome. Well, was, you, was you always a, a tall goalkeeper? I know yeah. it's obviously a cliche thing about the whole, you're too small to be a keeper, um, which obviously uh, Paul Bastock and other top, top-notch keepers have uh, broken the mould of that. Um, was you always a tall kid growing up? Yeah, I don't know where I'll get it from though, because my dad isn't, quite tall uh, my granddad was very tall both my granddads actually um, bless them yeah they were really tall so I'm glad I got those genes and just the frame and I remember the frame and the sheer presence of me back then and um, talking and communicating with defenders and teammates even at a young age I would never shut up I remember my um, my mate's parents used to say oh, I've got earache from Aaron shouting and screaming and, and in my eyes it was just part of the game um, I yeah. remember like under 11s to down to eight. I, I, I was bored in goal because we had such a good team. We was hammering teams like eight, nine, nil every week. And I think for me, that was the only way how I kept um, on the ball and aware of what was going around me because it, it's one of the biggest traits as a goalkeeper, you know. Was, you was there ever a time when you was in goal and you're like, it is freezing, um, it, it is freezing cold, I'm getting mucky. Um, Sometimes might be even bored if you're getting clean sheets. Is, was there any part of it at any time during your development where you thought, yeah, I want to go and play outfield? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember one game, um, 
you know, just thinking about it now, we played uh, Orton Wasps, I think it was, in a cup game. This was when I was at Crowland, I think under 12s or 13s. And we won 26-0. And, you know, I, I felt, I, I literally, I don't think I touched the ball all game. I literally, it must have been a goal kick where I just passed it out. And and that day it was wet and it was windy and it was chucking it down. But I loved it. You know, I was bored, yes. Um, but it, being outfield just cons- of me back then just consisted of too much running. You know, it's a bit It's a bit different now, you know, because um, I look after myself, you know, so I could probably manage it. But back then I was in no shape to want to run around and, you know, do all the work that all the outfielders do. I'll just stick to being in net. Thank you. Just a, just a quick one, right? You hear so many stories of um, goalkeepers that used to be strikers when they were younger or they used to play outfield. It's very rare that you hear that you started in goal and you stayed in goal. So that's quite, that's quite, that's yeah. quite rare. You hardly hear that. Yeah, I, I have, a, to be fair, Butch, I have, I, I might have told you about it. I have a mate locally and he, you know, he was a terrific goalkeeper, one of the best goalkeepers uh, who I'd played alongside. And, um, you know, he got to a stage where he just went, enough's enough, I'm bored. I, I want a bit of the, the the scoring goals. I want to feel what it feels like to, you know, okay, keepers get a lot of satisfaction out of making saves and getting the clean sheets, which obviously you did on that 26-0 <laughs> victory. <Yeah. laughs> but um, there's no stats like that coming up, by the way. Um, and... You know, he, he had enough of it and he ended up playing locally as a striker and he was banging in goals. So, you know, it it's that decision. But I think, you know, kudos to you for you knew you was a goalkeeper and you stuck with it. And that's probably why you got to the levels which you have done. Mm. Yeah, I so. think with that as well, like I said, I had a lot of good people around me growing up. You know, my parents took me here, there and everywhere as you know, uh, when when you're at grassroots, you rely on them. You know, you don't realise yeah. the work they do for you until you get older. Um, you know, had goalkeeper coaches at Boston, um, parents helping out at Crowland, um, Coates. My dad helped out, bless him. Um, you know, and but going back to uh, the whole wanting to play outfield, I think a lot of that came from, I didn't want to do it, yes, but... I think the managers sort of help keep me motivated as well because they would often say, well, you know, if we're winning three or four nil, you can go up and take the penalty. And I never missed one, you know. So we, I was hoping, you know, we'd go and win three or four nil. So I'd go and take the penalty, you know. And yeah. even back in men's football now, if we get to a penalty shootout, I'll always put my hand up and say, yeah, I'll take one gaffer, you know. And for me, back then, that was enough. That would keep me motivated. And I'd work on shooting and penalties after training as well as doing my own goalkeeping. So it was sort of keeping that interest up, you know, keep playing outfield and the technical side of shooting from a dead ball, which also helped me with, you know, goal kicking. Yeah. Obviously you, you practice in free kicks as well. Does that help you in your goalkeeping to think like a striker might be thinking about where they're going to put it as yeah, well? Definitely. You know, it goes hand in hand. I remember doing um, a session once with, um, when I was at Crowland and I asked three parents to stand in the wall just to make it harder for me. Um, so, and I'd, and I'd purposely position myself in an unnatural position to make it harder, um, you know, and and it helped, you know, you just, even back then, you just create things that um, 
help you and you don't realise it. You think it's a bit of fun and games, but back, yeah. then, back then I can remember just asking to do extra work and extra shooting, extra free kicks. But when you, going back to when you take the free kick, it sort of, like I said, it does put you in that mental space where you think you're acting as an attacker and you're thinking, right, where am I going to go? Where's it best for me? Where's the goalkeeper standing? You know, yeah. it puts you in their, in their shoes. It definitely helped growing up through um, the levels of, you know, the pyramid of pyramids of football. Decent. So um, from grassroots, uh, you end up going to Posh. Yep. Um, how many seasons did you have with Posh? Two. So I was there at 15 and 16 until for December as an under 16 where it came to scholarships and I got let go. And that's how Boston came up. Yeah, I, I believe it's, um, in fact, it was actually my first manager at the community scheme at Boston who brought you in. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Brett. Uh, Mr. Brett Whaley. Uh, he, he's currently manager of? Uh, We're Beach Town. We're Beach Town. Um, yeah. So... Brett brings you in because he knew you from the Peterborough days. Yeah. Um, what was it like to uh, to join Boston? Was was there a di- different atmosphere? You know, was was it very very different to what you was getting at Posh? Um, not as a sixteen, no. Um, no. As a sixteen, I it, I was quite shy. You know, um, I, I was very very quiet. I just went in. Yeah. I was on trial, so I didn't know anybody. Played <clears throat> played one game. Uh, against York City over RF Cran- Cranwell and Steve Welsh, as I'm sure we'll touch on, he just pulled me and my dad into the office and said, we want to sign you on a scholar for next year. And I think three days ago, three days before, Posh had let me go, you know, and at the time, um, Boston were a League Two club, so it was it was massive. You know, it was that security and that um, pathway that I wanted to go, um, you know, going forwards. Yeah, so from ultimately you um, you obviously trialing with with Boston, you actually get taken on. Um, you join our uh, our college youth team program. Yeah, yeah, there was a few hiccups as well. Funny enough, because at the time when Boston offered me the scholar, obviously the first team were in League Two, and this was the year that they got relegated, unfortunately, into the conference. And uh, it, over the summer, there was a big. Uh, it was very up in the air whether the scholarship program was going to continue. Yeah. Um, so I actually ended up going back to Peterborough on a non-contract for I think it was about four or five weeks at the start of pre-season. While because I remember Welshy saying, "Guys, we're not sure if we can offer you this scholarship program." Yeah, lots of uncertainty. Yeah. So I went back to Posh on a non-contract. Um, you know, and then I remember Welshy ringing us saying, "Yeah, we've got the go-ahead." what do you want to do? Because I'd let, been let go by Posh, went back, went to Boston. Boston had no fault of their own, wasn't sure what they could do. So I went back to Posh. Um, and in the end, I went back, I went back to Boston on the, on the scholar and it was a great decision. I, I was really unsure about it. It took me a good few days at 16 um, to commit to it. Cause it's a big commitment. Um, but it, it was the right decision. And it was one that I, that, you know, I relished. Hey, Jay, Jay said the other day, didn't he, that you have to make huge decisions, don't you, when, when you're, you're a young player. Yeah. It must be so hard. I don't know because I've not played, but it must be so hard to make some of them decisions that you have to make. Oh, yeah, it was it was really um, difficult, Cookie. Like I remember at the time, you know, you leave school and you've got to 
um, a foundation of mates. And at the time, I was going to go into digs. So I was going to be moving from Peterborough to Boston, um, which although it's not far, it's an hour. But, you know, back then it was it was it was a lot. And again, there was uncertainty whether I was going to go into digs or not. And it was a really stressful, looking back on it now, and messy situation. Um, so I just made the decision um, with, in terms of accommodation that, and my parents um, that for the first six months until I passed my test, they would, um, my dad would, uh, would take me in the mornings to training and to games and stuff or where we'd meet the minibus. So it was a massive commitment for him as well, you know, because he still worked. So he'd have to leave extra early take me I'd be in Boston sometimes for eight o'clock in the morning waiting outside in the car park for you know for the for it to be open um for John Blackwell to open the change rooms it's getting the warm you know I was down here <laughs> off to work you know, yeah. <laughs> you know and then it was, <clears throat> financially it was a it was a bit of a burden so I remember it was about an hour and a half journey home so I remember some boys would especially some of the the lads the older lads who passed their test before me they'd be home within 15 minutes I'd have to walk into Boston Town Centre get a bus from Boston to to Spalding I think it was then go from Spalding to Crowland where my dad would pick me up or I'd go Spalding into Peterborough then from Peterborough to Whittlesea to then walk home so sometimes I'd be out the house from eight till six some nights before I passed my test and that was you know you talk about thinking about it now it was torture especially in the winter months but that that's a a, a good life lesson and it sets you up because you've sort of been thrown into that mix you know you're waiting where you don't know what time you're going to be let into the ground luckily for you john blackwell and jason are up, used to be at york street for half eight yeah. uh, earliest um but you know it's it's a lot of it's, there's a life skill behind it you can you you grew up a lot quicker that's probably uh you know why you're probably mature more mature than some of the others yeah. um and you know it's, it's something that the young young guys nowadays can take on board i know with the 19th we have a few lads who commute by train uh because of the uh, uh the distance what they're traveling in but you know fair, fair play to you for uh you know making and having that dedication to be that scholar because that's what it had it it's what it entailed didn't it yeah back then um so with the with the youth team um and obviously the the bad news of us getting relegated at that time as well and the uncertainty and stuff youth team days as i said to jace probably the best days of your playing career probably yeah Yeah, um if you want to just touch on the some of the youth team stuff obviously shout out to uh steve welsh who who was yeah. running the programme. Yeah, well, she was fantastic. I cannot hold him in more high regard. He was absolutely brilliant for all the boys. Um, you know, I think starting as a youth team, it was, if I'm honest with you, I hated it a little bit the first two or three months because I was sort of the outsider where I'd come in from Peterborough and all the other boys, I think it was, I think we had about six or seven in the end, John O, Nick Jackson, Mitch Griffiths, um, Alex Bet, they'd all been together through the whole um, pathway of Boston Centre of Excellence. So they all knew each other. And all of a sudden, I've just come in. Um, I think they released the goalkeeper at Christmas for 16, um, as a 16, sorry. And this new lad's come in. And, you know, and, and to be fair, I, I, I sort of, I remember it to this day. I, um, I think the boys didn't take to me quite quickly. They didn't take to me quickly, sorry. 
Um, I think part of that was my own fault because I'd come from posh um, and they thought I was a bit, you know, I'll, not a snob, but I'd been at a high level club and it wasn't like that at all. And I remember coming in and saying, at the end of the day, chaps, um, I'm just here to get a pro deal. And I remember it, it was like my fifth day and I don't think it went down very well at all, if I'm completely honest. And that yeah. was the harsh reality of it. I was very selfish back then. And and yes, it's quite immature. And it probably, looking back on it now, it probably set me in the wrong regard with the dressing room initially. But that's all I wanted. I just wanted a pro deal, you know. And I think you say, oh, there's no, and I said, oh, there's no friends in football. You know, <laughs> there's, no, there's not. You know, I'm lucky that I do speak to a lot of those boys even now to this day because they're still around the non-league scene but that that comment it did hinder me for a long while you know and it took them a little while to sort of open their arms to get me into this group because it wasn't them having to latch on to me um it was me having to latch on to them really they probably had the same thought though but probably didn't say it didn't say it whereas you was you know, you blurted it out, being the new person, rubbed people the wrong way. They might see you as a bit massive time. Um, and, you know, again, you can look back on that and that's probably something that will come up uh, later in the in the podcast, probably what you might change if you was to do it again. Um, so with the youth team, um, yeah. I, I remember it quite, uh, quite fondly because obviously, like I said last week, I've been at the club seems like forever, uh, seeing you guys come through the pathway. And that team, what you had, Welshie, it was a very, very good team. Yeah. Um, obviously, a lot of them players, as you say, you see and speak to today just simply because they're still in the game playing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some have got legendary status in some of the clubs around locally. Um, so, good crop of players, good youth team. Uh, you pick up good results. You obviously travel up and down the the country. Um, any stories from the road? Um, any good team stories, either from the road or what it went. Obviously, keep it clean because some of the yeah, kids might be listening. Of course, I think the minibus was a story. You know, you go travelling up and down the country, meeting at silly o'clock in the morning to get to. I remember, we went to Darlington <coughs> in the morning. Um, we played at. I don't think it was Darlington, I think it was Hartlepool. And we were up at like half six, meeting at half six in the morning or seven at Sleaford. And just the crack on the minibus was fantastic. We'd play games. Um, you know, that was a massive part of it. I know also we had this little thing um, when I was a first year scholar. The second years had this thing where they'd call you to box. So if, if, you said, if they told you to do something like a chore, like a cleaning chore, and you didn't want to do it, even though it was their chore, they'd say, right, put the, put the gloves on then. And um, that would settle who would, <laughs> who would um, <laughs> do, the, do the chore. Uh, I remember once I only called the gloves once as a first year, that was to uh, JD, James Davis. And uh, I can't remember how that went. And then, I mean, the gloves is when I became a second year, it became more of a, <laughs> just call, call the gloves it wasn't even to do with chores it was just if you disagreed with something in training or someone hit you with a bad tackle or you know I've gone up to catch it right we'll get the gloves and when we get back we'll sort it out that way um and there, there was a few you know um I'm not going to name names but I remember one um individual who was I think he was a 16 at the time he I hit him quite hard 
and there was a video going around at the time. Um, he got, he got, you know, knocked out quite badly. Um, you know, and that that was it was all to do with the camaraderie between the boys. It was it was good. It was fun. You know, it would bring the boys together. Um, that's a good story. What else do we do? We used to go to. They're quite, they're quite lucky that person because I've actually got two names down here who I yeah. sort of know about. Um, yeah. From obviously speaking to you, it's not just a thing that you know, Boston United condone. I don't think it doesn't happen today, by the way, uh, for anyone listening. So, you, you're uh, you're under 16s or under 18s are safe at the club. Um, <laughs> just, just to put it out there, um, you um, what about when have you got any stories from when you used to go to the RAF basics? I know Welsh, you like to take you boys again, it was probably. You probably saw it as uh, quite military, but at the same time, there was a meaning behind it. If you yeah. want to just talk about that. Yeah, so we did that. I think it was around Christmas, <coughs> both years as, as a scholar. And initially, we were like, oh, God, what are we going there for? You know, it's in London. Um, you know, it's a night away. You know, we're playing against men. We're probably going to get hurt. But it was, but it was fantastic, you know. Both times, I can't remember the first time so much, but the second time we had some of the um, under 16s who came and we had a few of the college boys as well um, come with us. And we'd go out after we'd play the game, um, I think we won 2 0 or something the, the second time around. And we would go out in Watford, have a curry, have a few beers. I think the club, luckily, which was really nice, paid for it, I think. And then we'd get back. Well, she would probably swan off to his. B&B up the road and there would be us in our, our in the RAF barracks you know single bed mattress the size of you know a couple of inches cold um, you know freezing and, and a lot of the lads would just pull pull all night as I remember I remember one night we managed to get our hands on to some alcohol somehow um, and a few of the lads we would just end up just mucking around you know back then and dancing and singing and pulling all nighters and yeah, that, that that was a really good bonding. And I bet it wasn't a, a pleasant experience the next day when you was getting put some of the put through some of the drills. Yeah, well, I remember. <laughs> I, remember I remember the second time. I think, well, she was so shocked. We ended up going back, um, making a detour on the way back to the ground. We went up to RF Cranwell, and he had his heel running. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, yeah, that was well, she all over that was. But yeah, those days were those um, nights. away were brilliant. You wouldn't change them for the world, would you? you wouldn't no, change them. Not at all. Um, so, obviously, we have uh, a few people who listen to it who are on our college course. How did you find the scholarship college course? Did you enjoy it? Was it something for you? Did you did you get anything out of it? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Um, you know, we we were in uh, all day Tuesday in college, based at the ground. And then on a Thursday afternoon, we'd have, sorry, then the Thursday morning as well. So we'd have a day and a half a week um, where we'd be focused on our studies. Um, so we'd do our BTECs, our NDQs, sport, sport in excellence, that sort of thing. And then alongside that, we do our our uh, level two football qualification, which we did that. I think that was predominantly second year, I think it was. Yeah, uh, I think we'd have done le- probably level one, would have got level one football. And then yeah. as as the years went on, you got the higher qualification, didn't you, level two? Yeah, yeah so we did that the second year. We had um, a guy called, I can't think what's his name. Um, he came in. He usually what, did you have Ruddy? 
No. Is that Keith, Keith Rudd? No, I want to say Paul... I can't think what his name is, but he went on to manage Birmingham City, Derby County, oh. Gary Rowett. That's who it was. Gary Rowett. Gary Rowett came in and delivered it. And um, I think he was part of Burton Albion's setup at the time, um, sort of like youth team level. And he'd do his FA um, coaching on the side. And it was fantastic, you know. And I remember a couple of years later, I see him, I see this Gary Rowett on the screen managing Burton. I thought, where do I know him from? You know, and yeah. next thing you know, he's got the Burton job. He'd been at um, he'd been at Derby, Birmingham. I'm not sure if he's managing anymore. Um, but yeah, that's how um, he so he came to deliver our level two, which was a eye opener. And then that as part of the level two uh, coaching football, we had to get some hours of like after school clubs and deliver it. So that's how I came across yourself, uh, yeah. doing some voluntary hours with you. Oh, that was on a Thursday morning, I think, eventually. Thursday morning across at Stickney School, it was. And yeah. out of all the players, Cookie, I had to think, why have they sent the guy from Peterborough? There's lots of lads <laughs> who live closer, but it was just simply, it got offered to him, and Butch was mature enough to say, I'll do it. And he used to travel. And in fact, sometimes, he used to be in the car park waiting for me, even though I used to get there early. He was there before me. Um, he was keen and mustard, so I thought this guy <laughs> might, have a, might have a future in coaching, which we'll, we'll come to uh, in a little bit. Um, so, yeah, you got my seal of approval. Um, so, if we if we go off the youth team stuff, and now you've entered um, into the first team. So, if you say about how you got into the first team, how it did come about, who gave you the phone call... Uh, obviously, how did you find out to go into the first team? And then I will fire away Christian's stats on you. Because I know you're a bit of a stat man. <laughs> you know yeah. stuff about yourself. So if you just uh, touch on that for us, Butch. Yeah, well, again, as a 16, um, all the scholars, first year, second years, were made to sign forms anyway. So we were already part of the first team. Um, I think as well, the club got relegated from League Two into the conference, which is the conference now, or National Premier. And then I think that we had obviously some money problems. So we've got um, demoted again into the Conference North. So it was a massive overhaul of players. And uh, I, I sort of said, well, she was like, do you want to go train with the goalkeepers? I think, who do we have at the time? I think it might have been, I think first, initially it was Chris Wright, I think. Um, right, yeah. lad. Um, good guy, Chris. Um, so me and him would train um, Tuesday, Thursday evenings. So I train with the youth team during the day, and then go off to Cranwell or Sleaford, or even sometimes on the pitch, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, and that's sort of how it came about. I was just con consistently there at training Tuesday, Thursdays, just knowing that my face was there, being a person in the group. You know, I got to know a lot of the lads. Obviously, there were some real experienced pros. You know, there was Paul Ellender, Stuart Tolbert. Uh, was it at the time? Did we have, did we have at the club? Do we have Nathan Abbey when Chris was there? Was, I think was not there? when I was there. No, I think well, I think he might have left maybe the season. Right. Uh, I know. I, I thought Chris might have been Nathan's understudy, but again, I'm I'm just I'm just thinking back to timeline. Obviously, we're quite fortunate. We we see Chris quite regularly when the sessions are on because he he brings his little lad to us, who I think's got no desire of playing in goal. Bit like Chris, um, so um, 
so you've got um, obviously Chris Wright, who you're training with, that dedication, um, etc. So, uh, so your form's already signed. It wasn't like Welsh should give you the call up saying you're going to go with the first team. It was there was an opportunity laid out to all of you to go and join yeah. in, which I think was it was it was quality. Um, right, I I know you you were saying to me the other day actually of the person who gave you your debut. Um, which was Tommy. Yeah. Um, that was when the club had to be reformed after everything what had gone on. Um, let's fire away on your stats, Butch. So there we go. Chris, yeah, <laughs> Kristen sent me the stats over. So you made 30 appearances for the Pilgrims. Um, it, you made two appearances in the 07-08 season, 21 appearances in the 08-09 uh, you made five appearances in the 09-10 season and then the uh, 2010-11 to 11 season, you made two appearances. Um, out of all those appearances, how many clean sheets did you get? Oh, He'll probably know this cookie as well. <laughs> I think the season where Welshie took charge, I think we played 18. I think I played 18 or 19 games in the league. I think I kept 10 clean sheets, I think. So I want to say... About 15, I would say. Oh, close. So you got 16 clean sheets. Oh, is it the post? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 16 clean sheets. That's not bad out of 30 appearances overall. No, so no. Um, your debut was as a sub versus Butch? Southport. In December 2007, that's correct. Uh your first start for the club was away at Redditch. Good. Yeah. Um, in March 2008. Um, and the last bit what he sent me was uh, Aaron played last 16 games of 0809 season under Welshie. Um, he played in the Unibon League Cup and Lincolnshire uh, Shield finals that Boston won in 2010, keeping clean sheets in both games. Uh, versus Retford and Grantham, so a little little ripple there, Cookie. Yeah, uh, not bad. Like that. Um, so yeah, what, how was the experience of uh, being the first? Obviously, Tommy giving you debut. Um, obviously, these are all accolades, but how was it being around the place? Oh, it's fantastic. You know, Tommy was really, really good. He was a very good man manager. He knew his stuff. Very laid back at times. Yeah. Um, but it was a great atmosphere. You know, the club had been through turmoil the last probably the three or four months before that. That's when obviously Mr. Newton, um, Boston legend, must I say, he came Save in and saved the club. Um, Tommy got the gig and um, it was a really, really positive experience. Obviously, there was the drive for the club to work its way back up the leagues. And that was um, sort of nailed into the players from from early on, you know, that everything was there, you know, you look, you've got people coming from, you know, places which have like dog and duck FC, you know, and you come to Boston and you're like, wow, it was a league club last season. Yeah. And that's what attracted some of the players um, back, back to the, back to the club. Nice. Uh, you know, that was a difficult task in that season. Very, very difficult task. Um, obviously, working at the club at the time you just didn't know what was going to happen um so so much uncertainty and you know to actually see a, an 11 be put out um and 
like I say, you had some really good players come in. Um, obviously, I think the, the legend Tony Crane, he, yeah. was, he came into that side, which, you know, if, if, he, if he wasn't the size that he was, one hell of a player, yeah. even back then. Um, you know, I think Ash Nichols as well was another influential yeah. player. Um, so, um, Lee Thompson as well. I think he played for the club. Yeah, Lee Thompson. Uh, you know, David uh, You know, and then, yeah. and then on top of that, we managed, Tommy managed to keep um, like uh, Ellie, Paul Ellender and Tolbs. Um, oh. I think, I don't know whether that was, I don't know how that worked out because I think there was a few contract um, issues. He signed but, a contract extension just yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so having those two, you know, figureheads of, yeah. you know, in the dressing room really steerheaded the direction of where Tommy wanted to take the club. Definitely. You know, and they, they were, and, and Tolbs especially was at a point of his career where you know he he was given back now to the the younger generation coming up, and you still had that spine. You had Chris, the goalkeeper, um, obviously yourself coming through. You had um, Ellie, you had Tolbs, and then you could sort of try and mould the team around it. And you know it was a difficult task. So you know I take my hat off to Tommy for doing what he did at at that time. Um, any highs or lows for you, really? Um, was there any loan spells which you got sent out on? Yeah, well, uh, <clears throat> obviously it was difficult because I was sort of, the first year as a first year scholar, I was sort of flickering between um, the youth team and uh, first team, like being a sub. Um, so I did get sent out on loan. Um, I think I went to Hull Beach, uh, Deepin, um, Boston Town. Um, just to fill in for, I, think I went for a month at town. I think I had a few games at Deepin, a few games at Hull Beach. And back then I was like, oh my God, what is this? But now, like looking back on it, it was such a great such a great experience yeah. for me to get men's football because when you're playing in the Puma Youth Alliance against the likes of Bradford, you know, Hartlepool, Mansfield, um, you know, everyone wants to play. You know, everyone, and you don't get, you get, don't get me wrong, but you don't get balls putting you on the box in the box, you know, for a goalkeeper, that's one of the main aspects of your game to come and take crosses and that sort of thing. And you wouldn't really yeah. get that. So being chucked in a mental where you've got people standing on your toes, you know, at corners, like pinching you, elbowing you in the stomach. Um, it was a real learning curve. And initially it was like, like I said, it's difficult going to these places, but looking back on it now, it was such a, a massive learning curve for me. Yeah, yeah. It was never. It was never going to be. Um, never going to be pretty, especially when you're playing non-league and smash mouth football, a bit like the conferences um, and Uni Bond, which we was in at the yeah. time. So, um, you played for a, a few managers at the club. Um, Tommy being one. Um, you had um, obviously Rob Scott, Paul Hurst. Um, who was the other ones you played for? Welshie. Welshie, yeah, yeah. which she got the, the great stat under. Um, did you did you play for Drury? No. No. Um, so, which one out of there? I know, obviously, Welshie's got a soft spot in your heart, but obviously, from first team experiences only, who would you probably say um, was your favourite if you had to choose? Splitting it? Tough one. Um, I'd probably have to say Welshie. You know, yeah. Welshie got got the job at um, I think it was December, January time. The 
second season, uh, my second year scholar. And, you know, he saved the club. I think we got something like, I think in the 18 or games I played, from, from what I can remember, I think we took like 30 points from out of 50, which steer-headed us up the table and managed to save relegation. Um, yeah. And then that's some, obviously, the, the chairman had a big decision to make whether um, Steve and Andrew Stanup at the time was going to get the job or whether they were going to look elsewhere. And it turned out, um, obviously, Scotty and Hursty got the job. Um, and they, they were fantastic. Like Their methods of training were, were great. It didn't really... Looking back on it now, I think there were things which I went back in time, how things worked with them. I think it would have been different for me. I think I'd have made a decision to go or not to sign, if I'm honest. Um, but in terms of them as managers and what they did on the training pitch and you know the uh, rapport in the dressing room, it was it was fantastic. And obviously with, with Scotty and Hurst, um, obviously good cop, bad cop, I think it was. I think that, that was clear to the fans. Um, they uh, they got results and they got us promoted and ultimately you was part of that. What, what about the, uh, the experience of being with that team and uh, obviously gaining promotion away at Bradford? Yeah, that was, that was probably one of the best seasons I've been a part of. You know, I didn't play... As much as I'd like, well, I didn't. I didn't play as much as I'd like. I'll put it, be quite frank with it. Um, you know, but it was a great experience. There were some real good, good footballers in that team who have gone on and better themselves even now. You know, yeah. uh, Sean Pearson, Ricky Miller, um, just to name a few off the top of my head. Yeah, no, it's it was a it was a fantastic season to be. Uh, a part of um, and then obviously they, they went to the grow the team again and then what happened with Rob and Paul it, the rest is history and to be fair they was always going to go a lot higher um, and uh, obviously they did so with um, with the first team stuff um, what I did last night I, I went to one of the uh, the Boston supporters um, who I know really well he, he plays in my over 35s group which is Michael uh, beefy Burgess which is his nickname um, and he came up with three great great questions because I was saying he was coming on today um, so we'll fire away with question number one um, he, he put can you describe what it was like to play under Rob Scott and Paul Hurst um, obviously in his opinion they were arguably the best gaffers in recent times and who did you learn the most from well um so I probably I think well by but it's difficult because they like I said they were sort yeah. of and Hyde, they were Jekyll and Hyde, you know. Um Rob would be very much the motivator, the loud, the aggressor of the two, and Paul would be the one who'd put your arm around you. Um, you know, but it was it was great to play for. It really was. Um what was the first part of that question again? Um it was uh obviously can you describe what it was like to play under? Yeah, uh, well, I didn't. Play, I didn't. I didn't play as much as what I would have liked. Um, yeah, it was probably being more around the place, and yeah, I, I think I think obviously going from that questions and like, um, who did you learn the most from? I think it was probably the information of what was you a person who, if Rob was screaming and trying to motivate, it did that motivate you, or did Paul Hurst soft softer approach? You know, probably talking a bit more tactically technically with you yeah. did that rub off on you better 
yeah. Hursty, I was one of the players back then who I deal better with that arm around. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, at 16, 17, 18, a goalkeeper, and you're going to make mistakes. And, you know, if you're, for me, if I was, if Scott had, if Rob had done his approach with me, I think I'd have just crumbled, you know. Yeah. A lot different now. I prefer that approach now, being more experienced and a lot older. Um, but like I said, both of them, I learned things off both of them. Yeah. And, and Michael's, uh, Second question was, what were the main ingredients of success which formed the fantastic midfield duo of Danny Sleeth and Anthony Church? What players they were, by the way? Yeah, fantastic. Um, I think for them, they knew each other um, from, I think they were at Loughborough Uni. So they'd spend most days with each other. They played for the Loughborough Uni team together. Um, so I think that's why that worked so well, because they knew each other so well off the pitch. But I think... Um, you know, as a group of players, we got on really well. There was a really good camaraderie between us. Um, we'd walk through, we'd go through brick walls to get three points. Yeah. And I think that I think, I think that's what rubbed. I think that's what rubbed up on the team in the end. You know, I think, and I think the fans could see that that there was a real togetherness of this unit. And it was a at some t- stage of the season, it was a real juggernaut. It was you know full steam ahead. We would win and yeah. we'd win and we'd win and we'd win. You know, and it might be one nil, or it might be you know two one. And I can remember some games where we'd score two in the 90th minute, just because of that camaraderie and you know that willing to fight and to just get three points at all costs with each other. Yeah, and it, it obviously benefited that we had Mark Newsham about as well, who uh, who knew where the back of the net was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, with with Danny, I think Danny used to get told to slow down a little bit, didn't he? Because he was that fit. Yeah. When he wanted to do a cool down, he wanted to go and climb a mountain or something like that. <laughs> and one of the fittest man, one of the fittest guys I've ever seen in my life, by the way. <laughs> it was a joke. I remember the first pre-season in the Robin Paul, we would do um, laps of this cricket boundary at Cranwell, and it'd be like a twelve. I think it'd be a twelve-minute run. And yeah. You know, I can remember. <laughs> I can remember overtaking some of the players. I'm not going to um, say who they say who they were. <laughs> Yeah, they should be embarrassed. <laughs> I was fit, but I'd lost a lot of weight since then, so I was quite fit. But um, he, I think he came to pre-season with a rucksack on his back and would run doing that doing that twelve-minute run with the rucksack on. So that would be the warm-up. We'd then go and do box-to-boxes and uh, pit, uh, uh, pitch sprints with Rob and Paul, and then we'd go and do that twelve-minute uh, run again to finish. And like we're all dying after the first one. Sleepy's there just with his rooks I can't, you know, just, you know, as if it's a warm-up. Yeah, like, any, <laughs> any, any chance of sweating? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, I, I probably still stay, uh, as a fan, as a spectator, I, I, one of the best, one of the best um, debuts was Anthony Church. It was a mid, mid-week game, night game. He was fantastic. So, um no, that's, that was question number two. And the last question from Michael, did you want to ask it, Cookie? Uh, uh, no, you, you've got it. I've not got the... I've not got the... <laughs> <secret. laughs> I've not um, got the notes. Which, which player of that squad... Uh, which player of the squad influenced you the most? Of the Scott and Hurst? Yeah, of that squad, yeah. Um, good question. Good question. Um, good question. Yeah, I think 
was it the was it the other goalkeeper? I was going to say was naturally, it? naturally, you'd sort of um, lean towards your goalkeeper. But um, Tom Evans that first year was, yeah. um, if I'm honest with you, it, we uh, sort of diverting off the question a little bit. We sort of rubbed up on the wrong path because I played all pre-season that first year. Um, you know, all pre, literally all pre-season. I think he played. He came in one game before the end and then started the first season where if I'm honest with you it sort of now it it rubbed me up a little bit it, it, it got me it got me quite angry you know I played all pre-season I know Rob and Paul had I turned down other clubs to, to, to sign for Boston I remember obviously that season um, when we was in the Unibon Prem when you know Welsh we, we stayed up I remember that pre I remember a couple of, couple of weeks before the start of the uh, sorry before the end of the season uh, Welshie and David Newton pulled me in, in the boardroom at Jakeman's and offered me a contract. I was like, wow, that's for me, as I said previously in the call, that's all I wanted, a pro contract at 18. Um, and I, I thought about it and in the end I ended up signing it. Um, and then about two days after that, I got um, I got about three phone calls from clubs. I had someone ring me from Macclesfield, um, wanted me to go there. I said I'd sign a contract, so they were like, no. Um, another club uh, who was, I think it was Bradford wanted me to go there but again found out I'd signed a contract didn't want anything to do with me um, spoke to Rob and Paul and they were like look you've got a chance to be our number one it's, you know you signed the contract we don't want you to go anywhere you'll play games brilliant you know when you get told stuff like that as a 17, 18 year old you believe it um, and then I remember Ipswich Town ringing um, I think they went through the club, I think because they knew I was on a contract, they went through the proper processes and I'd agreed to go on a trial um, that summer when Rob and Paul had taken over. Um, everything was booked, hotel. Um, I don't even know if you know this story, Lou. Um, and yeah, everything was booked, the dates, the lot. And literally the day before I was due to go down on the, so this was a Saturday, I was due to go down on the Sunday for the trial on the Monday. I came down with swine flu. This was obviously back then it was a big thing. Um, yeah. It wasn't a massive pandemic, was it, Budge? No, no. <laughs> it was, you know, it was a big old thing even back then, 10, what was it, 10, 13 years ago. Um, rang a pip switch and they said, um, okay, don't worry. Um, we'll all, when you're fit and healthy, we'll have you back. Um, no, <laughs> didn't hear anything else. I rang them back in a couple of weeks, said I was fit and ready to go and they'd already signed somebody. So, yeah, sorry, we've diverted the question off a little bit. Um, but that was a big thing for me. Rob and Paul had said, you'll play games, you'll play games. I'd turned down big clubs, you know, um, or bigger clubs back then who were in the Football League, you know, had this trial off, off Ipswich, but no one wanted to have anything to do with me because I signed this contract. So It's all down to decisions, isn't it? Like you said earlier in the call. And, um, you know, if only he had that crystal ball. It was the same with Jace last week when he was speaking. He, he played every single pre-season game. And then when we came to do his stats, his stats was, it weren't of which we thought they were going to be like. Um, but and that happened two years in a row as well. That, yeah. That's what really um, infuriated me. So it happened the first year with Tom. Tom, you know, was a great guy. Um, but going back to your original question, you're probably looking at um, Canners, Lee Canneville, yeah. um, Sean Pearson, um, who was a different animal at 19. I'd never seen anything like it. Um, he'd come from Stamford when every accolade there was at Stamford the previous year jumped up what two leagues as if it was 
you know, boys' football to men's football. You know, it was he took it in his stride. Um, and then he, I've got... he was very well supported. His family, he had a good backing, didn't he? he yeah. You know, real nice family, uh, Sean. And and to be fair, he was another one, like you say, good influence, uh, influential player. He was always destined, wasn't he, to go higher. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, top top guy. Um, so we've uh, we've covered the questions. Thanks for uh, Michael Beefy yeah, Burgess. Um, a little bit there. Hey, it's all right. It, it, he'll love that because he's Boston. He's Boston through and through. He'll uh, he'll be putting that on the supporters group. Nah, he's got his questions in. So um, <laughs> going on to like uh, the next bit in the running order, um, which I sort of prepped you for because I know it's quite a it's quite a big thing, and I, I think you found it tough. I, I wanted to call it. 2 to 11 sort of dawned on me last night when um, Carragher, I think, was doing it with Chris Coleman. He did a 1 to 11, and I was like, that would be quite good for Butch tomorrow. Um, but I'm calling it 2 to 11 because hopefully you're going to pick yourself to play in goal. <laughs> uh, and actually, Butch Cookie, Butch earlier messaged me saying he's even got subs, so we've, we've oh. got a, a 2 to 15. So, um, Butch, you've prepped it. Let's yep. hear it. So this is based on players you played with at, during your time at Boston, throughout the youth team to the first team. Let's see for the uh, the supporters in there. Let's see what he's got. I'm going to sit on the fence initially. I've got to say it was really, really, really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> awesome players. And if any of the lads who are watching and I don't pick you, I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, it was really a challenge. So I've gone 4-3-3. Three, three. Um, nice. I've gone four three three, so um, he'll hate me for putting him there. But as right, but right back, I've gone Lee Canneville. Um I know he flipped between centre half and right back with Scotty and Hursty, um, and he hate. I know he didn't like playing right back, but he did a job. Um, and and you'll probably see why I've put the other why I've put him there because as centre half, I've got Sean Pearson. I can't not pick him. Um, I think he's at Wrexham now, club captain. He's gone on to have a stellar career. You know, great guy. Um, you know, and, and you know he's captain material wherever he, wherever he plays. Um, and centre half with him, I've got Paul Ellender. So when I came into the team um, initially as a second year scholar, he played centre half, and in, in playing behind him was it was easy because he would just do so much. He would talk. It was like having another me, but outfield he would just wouldn't shut up. Uh, but it was a real leader. You know, and I don't think I need to say anything more about Ellie, to be honest. Um, left back, I've gone Gareth Jellyman. Um, you know, Jellyman's thrown a wobbly. Um, <laughs> real, real, real good friends, real good friends with Gels even now. Um, used to work with him for about five, six years after I left Boston. Um, so that's my back four. Uh, midfield three, obviously I've gone Church and Sleaf. I can't not pick them. Um Church, I saw Churchy pre-season actually we had a um, pre-season game against him he's at Chelmsford at the minute and had a bit of a chat with him obviously Covid secure at a distance <laughs> before and after the game he's still himself you know um, you know we had a bit of a reminiscence of the time at Boston how much we loved it and um, you know so I've gone Church and Sleeve and my third player I've gone is Adam Milson um, nice. I, I think I don't think Millie got the opportunities he deserved and should have done with Scott and Hurst. I know he broke his leg. Or both. Twice. Yeah, twice. Yeah, one after his right leg, then his left leg, or the other way around. 
Um, and he didn't really get an opportunity after that because we played a lot of four four two with Scott and Hursty. So he would normally church. He normally was the one who would miss out. Um, yeah. and other players like Mark Cam came in when we played a three. Um, but he was stellar. He was real Rolls Royce. Um, I remember the year we stayed up. I think he won all the Player of the Year awards at seventeen. This is in yeah. front of players like like season pros, you know, Ellie was there still. We had um, Lee Thompson. We had players like Tom Matthews. Um, so, yeah, I can't really say anything more about Millie. Millie was a real great player and, re- and really yeah. went on the carpet a little bit. Um, and then front three, I've gone... Uh, uh, sorry, sorry, Butch, but going back to Millie as well, hopefully he might be one of my, our future guests as well, uh, with knowing him. And... Um, you know, he 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 came in as a schoolboy. He he did his studies away from. He wasn't one of the lads day in day out with Boston. He was a schoolboy. Uh, so that's you know, very rare nowadays that a schoolboy and not a scholar sort of makes that step up. Yeah, um, and he him and Michael Wood actually as well, who I did consider putting in the team. Um, Centre half. Woody, you know, Woody was solid, wasn't he? Yeah, he liked to tackle Woody did. Oh, Woody did it and an elbow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was the first year; he was the second year, and he got into the team in Conference North and was playing with Tommy. Um, and I even remember him getting Player of the Month in Conference North at like seventeen. You know, and he was a schoolboy again. He was a schoolboy, so he'd do his studies away from the club. Would only train once or twice a week, um, or even if that sometimes, you know. But was throwing Tommy through both of them in. The, pro- the problem is with Woody, he, he, he suffered with the injuries, didn't he? He, he p- used to pick up, I think it was a style of play. You know, he yeah. was that physical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it probably p- paid dividends on him. And, you know, I think he had a knee problem, if I think yeah. think back. Mm-hmm. But who, who are you going for uh, in the in the three, the next three? So, um, I've gone Tappin Noosh, uh, Mark Newsham. Don't need to say <laughs> anything. Don't need to say anything. Yeah, don't yeah. need to say anything about Nui. Um, great guy I've come across him in the lower leagues over the last couple of years I know he was at Sheffield FC for a bit um, so it's just good to see him um, and then I've gone Ryan Semple right wing um, again seasoned pro looked after himself incredibly well on and off the pitch um, dynamic fast could put balls in the box could run in behind could score goals um, so he he's on one side and through the middle a player who didn't get a really green of it with Scott and Hurst, Ricky Miller. Um, good friend of mine, Ricky. Um, back then, even now, it's good to catch up with him. Um, I know he's had his struggles um, away from football, you know, but he's had a stellar career. He's been at Luton, Port Vale, um, Posh, Peterborough. Um, he's now at Aldershot. Well, yeah, we, we were sort of hoping at Boston. We had our fingers crossed that uh, Ricky, <laughs> Yeah, I scouted him again, but um, no, it wasn't meant to be. I think he lives down there as well, now, so. Yeah, he lives that way. And and Rick, Rick got sort of the wrong end of the deal when he um, when Scott when Robin Paul came in. I think the chairman had obviously offered him a contract to to stay for that season. Obviously, under that um, dilemma of who the new manager was going to be, um, Ricky planned to sign it, and then um, Robin Paul came in, and I think they significantly cut his money. And I don't just mean like 20 quid. I think you're talking, I don't know, over three figures, put it that way, back then. Yeah. Um, which, you know, you, you you can't blame him in a way, but Ricky had scored goals that year to keep us up. 
you know, and I was in, I had a similar sort of thing happen to me where my money got cut. Um, you know, it wasn't nowhere near as much as what the figures he was talking, he was goal scorer. Um, but I think if you'd have put him in that team that year, you know, I know we got promoted through the playoffs, but if Ricky would have said we'd have won the league, um, you know, he was horrible. We had, he could put the ball in the box. It, it was just a nuisance all game, you know, and as a three, um, you guarantee goals and work rate with those three. Yeah, definitely. Good, and I good, think good team. Great team. Yeah, like that. Thank you. And then I've got, I have actually got some subs as well. So <laughs> these, are, these are subs for sitting on the fence. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I've got, I've got, I've got five subs. So I've got um, Wes Parker. Um, again, season pro. Yeah. Um, centre half, left back, right back, centre midfield, could do anything. Um, he's in there. I've got Ben Sedgemore, who didn't wasn't at the club for long. Um, he Welshian Stano brought him in the year we stayed up. Um, on the last game of the season. But again, another season pro just didn't give the ball away. You know, I think he was like 34, 35, but he, he was a real, um, real professional. Um, used to travel in with Ben to some of the games sometimes. And, you know, just again, hearing some of the stories and about him, how he'd look after himself, things he would do away from football. Um, definitely was a big learning curve for me. And then I've got David Farrell. Um, again, don't need to say anything about Faz. Um, and then I've got two more. I've got um, Swizz, Spencer Weir Daily. Again, another guy who knew where the back of the net was. Real... That's, Cookie, that's Cookie's favourite player, by the way. Swizz. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid, yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Very um, an orthodox sort of mold. You don't really see strikers in that mould these days. But tell you what, you give him the ball and he was six yards out, you knew it was going to the goal. Um, I've got, so he's unfortunately missed out. And my final one is Big DD, Big Danny Davidson. I um, don't know if you can remember him, guys, but he was a real target man, you know, um, held the ball up well. And he, between him and Mikel Suarez, that year we got promoted, it was fantastic. You'd always play, a lot of the time it'd be one of them and um, Newey up there as a two. Um, and I just went for Danny just because I just thought he offered a little bit more, um, you know, all round. I, I actually got to see Danny, um, it was a couple of seasons ago in the FA Youth Cup. We took the uh, the 19s, um, sorry, the, the under-18 team um, to uh, to Mickelover. And Danny was running the team that night. Um, it was just, it was literally a, a few days after um, somebody at Mickelover got on Sky and everywhere for scoring an absolute worldie. I can't remember his name, but Danny took the team um, that night. And he just held the club in so high regard. He, you know, yeah. he was asking about all the people there, if the staff was still there and stuff. So I think people who do come to Boston, I, I do think we leave a bit of a, a, a presence, a, you know, a memory in these in these players. So, um, which is quite nice to know. It's quite sentimental. Um, so that that's a good team. Is that all the subs, Butch? You've just gone for five? We're, I've gone for and then, obviously, goalkeeper. I haven't put a goalkeeper on there, but um, James McEwen um, would be my goalkeeper. You know, he, you know, he yeah. was fantastic. I think he, I don't know what he kept. He kept a lot of clean sheets second year. Um, again, came in late pre-season. I played all the pre-season. And then two days before start, he came in. Um, actually come across Jim at Posh. When I went back to Posh from Boston, in my youth uh, as a 16, he was on trial for the first team. 
Um, I think they signed him from Walsall in the end. Um, so I sort of already knew Jimmy. Yeah. Um, but again, great pro. Again, had a, having a stellar career. Um, I think he's still at Grimsby, club captain. Club captain. Uh, great guy as well. Travelled in. There was a little car school. Uh, me, him, Gels, Semps. We'd obviously travel in um, from Peterborough. Surely not in your little Cleo. Not sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> no, no yeah. wonder you needed a stretch when you got to training. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Three door. Wow. Um, so, is that all the players, Butch? Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, yeah, unfortunately. That's, that's a ferocious team, by the way. What a team that is. Hey, eh? I wouldn't like. I wouldn't like to see the wage bill or the budget. <laughs> wow. So. Um, no, I appreciate yeah, you doing that. To be fair, I did prep you to, for a non-league one as well. Um, but you'd just be there forever, I think, picking people. So um, so we've we've obviously come uh, full circle and um, obviously we're now in, in current day. Um, obviously, we'll talk stuff pre-COVID. Um, so the team, so you, you play for Boston, obviously when you left... And obviously, this isn't in order. Um, so the teams that you ended up playing for, which which is so pleasing for, for me and, and obviously like Cookie as a fan, that people like yourself are still playing in the game today. This is what this is why we're getting people on, like Jason and yourself, because you made something out of the pathway coming through different routes, uh, through the youth programmes to the first team and are still playing today and making a part-time living out of it. Um so you played for Corby, uh, Elkeston, uh, where I think you was on a di- bit of a deal. There was a goalkeeping coach, if I'm right. Um, you played for March, uh, Whiz- Whizbeach. Uh, correct me, on I don't know which way to say this. Is it Ainsbury or Ainsbury? Uh, Ainsbury, you're right, yeah. Um, Deepin. Obviously, you had a spell at Boston Town, which you spoke about earlier, on loan on a whole beach. You played for PSL, which is Peterborough Sports. And are currently, which you've had about two or three spells here at your current club in Step Four, which is Yaxley, which I know you uh, you love being, and it's just around the corner from you, which is ideal. Um, uh, after after football, you um, sorry, not after football because you're still playing, but um, whilst you were still playing. You was working for United in the Community, the community scheme, uh, football in the community uh, at Boss United, which you did a stellar role. And I'm going to ask it out right now. Did you coach Cookie? Can you remember Cookie? Yeah. When he was in so. next school? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You didn't make an impression on him because he couldn't remember you. <laughs> it was a long and, time ago, writing. <laughs> you know, he, he's a big enough guy. He was playing with the first team. And I can't believe he couldn't, believe, uh, couldn't remember you. But even after Boston, when you were playing for teams, you were still working for us. You was travelling in. Um, you know, you got my vote of approval, um, especially when you came in as such a young lad, dedicated to come and coach, um, which is obviously my livelihood, and I didn't want anyone to mess that up. Um, so, always a professional guy. Um, did you enjoy your, your time at Boston, doing obviously what me and Cookie do now? Um pre-COVID that is yeah loved did you it. enjoy coaching with the scheme yeah loved it loved it if, if it wasn't for the likes of you know the scheme back then I wouldn't be where I am now for sure because 
you know, I was so um, concentrating on going as a pro and then you've got to quickly find a part-time living. And, you know, that, that coaching badge that I got enabled me to come and work and volunteer with the likes of yourself and Nath and Rich and James and, you know, people who are friends for life, you know. Um, and no, but I think I was, I think obviously I left for Ilkeston for about six months and then I came back. Um, I think the four, was it four, four or five years I was with the scheme I absolutely adored. And, yeah. you know, if it wasn't for the travelling, then I would probably still be there or doing something similar now. Uh, but obviously commuting from Peterborough every day to then having to go to likes of Stickney and, you know, um, places further than Boston, you know, Swineshead, that sort of thing. It, it just got too much for me, Lou. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely understand. And, I, and obviously... You, you let us all know that you would be taking up a different role, which was very similar to the role which he was doing at the club. Um, obviously, it was gutting because you had a good rapport with the kids. Uh, same, same as Jace. This is what I said last week. Um, you, you ended up leaving the uh, the community program and going to um, Premier Sport, which is now called Premier Education, um, which is actually run by ex pilgrim, uh, ex right winger for the pilgrims, Dan French. Um, which when he said he was working for Dan French, I was like, that name rings a bell. Um, and it, French only had a couple of games for Boston, but he was like, he was all right. What I saw, um, he probably had some stiff competition back when he was playing. Um, and obviously, you spoke earlier in the in the call that about what you're doing now, which is uh, if you want to go on to that. Yeah, so um, I'm currently employed by. Uh, like I said, local primary school as a PE teacher, unqualified, unqualified, which means I haven't got the degree. So yeah. I went from Premier Sport or Premier Education. Um, I was working in this school full time through this through the company, um, and then it just came to a point where they wanted to take me on and open, you know, themselves rather than pay a third party. So um, I've been there for I've been at the school for eight years. Um, been working for them as an employed member of teaching staff for three now yeah um, and it came to a couple of years about two years ago where my other half or my fiance she's doing a nursing degree and I wanted just to make a little bit fresh you know I still wanted to stay in the education um, you know educate in the educational side of work but I wanted just to branch off so I'm doing a degree at the minute in uh, early years in education which is a three-year degree which will then enable me um hopefully once I pass my QTS, which is my qualified teacher status, to be a primary school teacher. So, you know, it's, it's worked out nicely. You know, I, I would like to have done it a little bit earlier on in my career, but, you know, circumstances are different. Yeah, and, you know, and, and obviously with doing a, a BTEC and getting them experiences, probably being at Boston, like you said, set you up and then you rolled with it with uh, Premier Education, um, which... I'll see you branched out too, and and then obviously, hopefully, it's gonna make you flourish when you become a uh, a qualified teacher, which I'm sure will be a, a dream for the kids because I think they already love you as it is. So um, you know, world's your oyster from there. Um, so that that's that's current times away from it. Um, as I said, you're in step four with Yaxley, um, loving life there still. Uh, obviously, yeah. I know not with snowy. Yeah. Co- Times, but no, 
love it. No, there's, um, like I said, I've been on and off for a good five, six, seven years. And um, a lot of the boys there are just like family, you know, at non-league level, you do become real close to them, um, you know, through group chats and nights out and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, and, and a lot of the boys, I absolutely love it there. You know, the manager, um, you know, the boys, uh, people behind the scenes. It's a really friendly, um, welcoming, welcoming club, you know, and it does help that it's on my doorstep. Um, you know, and it's still a good level of football. It's a really good level of football. And you, had, you always had a massive support in your, your your granddad and your family going to games as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dad's often, well, he would always be there. Him and my granddad, even when I was at Boston, would hop on the supporters coach to watch the pilgrims, whether I was playing or whether I wasn't. Um, you know, dad's dad's health isn't it has never been brilliant, but he picks and chooses when he can get to games now. Um, Granddad, on the other hand, he would have been, he'll go driving his car 80 years old up to, I don't know, into Stoke, Birmingham, you know, Derby for games in the midweek. Um, fortunately, he passed away um, June last year, sorry, May last year, um, which came as a big shock um, out of the blue, um, you know, and, you know, he, he, he would always have been there. You know, he would follow me. Right. What 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 a dedicated backing. And, you know, it, knowing you've got the support of, you know, the loved ones around you and stuff like that. Because some people go and, like, wives, girlfriends, not interested, family's not interested. You know, that's their hobby and that's what they do. But, you know, um, having that, you know, it is, it's just a bit of a blessing, isn't it? So, um, sure. no, it's fantastic. Um, so... I did this uh, on the on the last podcast, but you know, we we want to sort of target the younger generation, and obviously from yourself, who's been there, done it, and um, give any advice. Would you give that guy any advice? <laughs> <laughs> Not that again, writing. Oh, no. <laughs> so I think I've got more hair back then what I have now and I haven't got <laughs> in that photo there it's why, it's why he's got the hat on um, trying, we're trying to be nice to here people yeah. we're not trying to be nice to people here right <laughs> so um, for any young uh, goalkeepers uh, obviously or young people having aspirations of being a goalkeeper have you got any advice um, and, yeah. and any tips for them um, go and play football you know if you're 17, 18 and you're happy sitting on the bench at a big club, you know, you're not learning. You know, you, you, even now at almost 30, I still think my game's developing, you know. Yeah. So um, go and play football. Nothing beats playing it and learning, you know, finding out your strengths, finding out your weaknesses and, you know, how to adapt to weaknesses to make that weakness not a weakness. Um, enjoy it, you know, always get involved with the dressing room, uh, the night, the nights out, that sort of stuff. The team bonding. Um, Just throw yourself into it. Throw yourself into <laughs> it. Yeah. Say, um, you know, don't worry, don't be motivated by money. I know a lot of people are, and I can understand why at the minute with, um, you know, the circumstances we're living in right now. But you know, people I know jump ship for an extra ten pounds or whatever. It's not if you're not going to enjoy it as much. It's not worth it. Just enjoy football because there will be a time when, you know, you, you can't play or you're not allowed to play as we are at the minute. Yeah, definitely. And and like you say, um, you just knew it as a natural fit. We've got um, 
In fact, we've just got, you, you might be an outfielder and you just don't know whether you've actually got the skills to become a goalkeeper. I know me and Cookie, we uh, well, we run the over 35s and um, Aidy's boy, um, young lad called Sam Proctor, local, you know, yeah. he went posh from this area, played for posh. You know, he's been picked up by yeah. Aston Villa. Um, yeah, and he actually went to Posh's academy as an outfield player. They were short one game. He got asked to play in goal, and a bit like his dad, who's, who's well, in our eyes, safe hands anyway. You know, he, he, he just naturally gifted in goal. And, you know, it's just gone on from there. He's, he's got um, call up to England. So you just never know um, what is around the corner. And like say, throw yourself into it, but try at younger age, try different positions because you, you don't yeah, know what... Like, like, like Butch just said there, if you, if you didn't, if he didn't throw himself into that situation and went, nah, nah, I'm not playing goal, that would have never happened. So you've no. got, like you say, you just go out and get some games, go play. Yeah. yeah. But we, uh, obviously, we appreciate your time. Um, I, I did have, Dan was going to talk Liverpool, but we'll, we'll save that because they're not in a good position at the minute, are they? <laughs> uh, so, um, Phil Foden. <laughs> Pull shirts. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up, uh, wrap it up now. But before we do the the final wrap up, uh, Cookie, did you want to just talk about your uh, the just giving pages? Oh yeah. Um, so these uh, podcasts are obviously just for your guys' benefit. Um, we don't, me and Wrighty don't get nothing out of them, or neither do any of the guests. They're just. Here just to, to be on the podcast. So we've just set two just giving pages up, one for the NHS uh, and one for our community foundation, just because of, of the excellent work they keep doing. So if you guys like this kind of stuff, just um, help in any way you can and we'll keep delivering this content for you. And as I said to Cookie when he uh, obviously was plugging out, we're just hoping fingers crossed we're looking forward to getting an MBE like Marcus Rashford. So please, <laughs> please try and uh, we, we need a we need a title to a name. So, but no, great work, obviously, Marcus. Shout out to Marcus Rashford. So, um, Butch, thanks for your time. Uh, thanks for coming on uh, off script, um, which is obviously the the free podcast, as Cookie says. And you know, um, we just hope to see you down the road. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Be safe, fans, and uh, you know, stay safe, uh, stay healthy. And hopefully we will get to your wedding at some point. Okay. Thanks for your time, Butch. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Top man, thank you.